Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say, like, I can't wait for this new world. I can't wait for the right. dimension. When uh-huh. will things shift? And, you know, I have those moments where I want to escape as well all the time, you know, <laughs> especially the first 10, 15 years even of my awakening process. Like, I just was like, this sucks. You know, they've like, <laughs> controlled it. And in the last three years, I'm not even going to get into that conversation. What happened there? You know, and I was just like, really wanted to escape. And now I'm, I'm focusing on something else which is sitting with the discomfort of the feeling to want to escape and observing it and observing that feeling and being like, it's okay to feel that way. And then you don't have to be like pouring out with gratitude for the darkness and what they've done. But the realization is that in this world of amnesia, where we don't remember our divinity, where we don't remember our connection to source. And even those that do are using their imagination to do that. There's not always that sense of knowing and we still fluctuate in and out of that knowing. The best way to remember how it is to be connected and in the light is to experience the polar opposite. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello, and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. So great to be with you all again. And look who's in the house today, Neil Gore from Portal to Ascension. Hey, Neil, welcome to the show. Thank you, Karen. It's good to be here with you. We've been chatting already, having such a great conversation about consciousness and all sorts of things. And I said, stop, stop, stop. Let me press the recording and continue this conversation. But for those people who don't know Neil, uh, well, I've been talking for the last four weeks, five weeks or so, I've been talking to the guests from the, as you can see behind me, the Portal to Ascension conference, which is happening in April and Neil and I have been talking about, you know, people who gather in the States versus people who gather in Australia, the sort of levels, different levels of consciousness, what people are into. And I was just telling him what happens in Australia versus what's happening overseas. And I'd love to bring the portal to Ascension vibe down under. I really would. That's the goal is to be (laughs) universal. You know, I would love to have festivals and conferences worldwide that are annual. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's going to be a beautiful day when we have our event in, in Australia. <laughs> it will be, it will be. But I just don't know if the Australians, if there's, there's anyway, it's been so fascinating. Let, let me just tell people yeah. a little bit about you who don't know. I've had Neil on the show before. We've discussed what he's up to. Neil is a philosopher, historian, researcher, and spoken word artist, and the founder of Portal to Ascension, which is a conscious event production company hosting a wide range of presenters on a variety of topics such as the origins of humanity, the existence of extraterrestrial life, exposing hidden truths, and the exploration of spirituality and the nature of reality. He's created over 3,000 fully produced events, tours, webinar, online events, and retreats. Portal to Ascension has worked with around 2,000 researchers, spiritualists, scientists, conscious explorers, teachers, and experiencers. It's been a journey. It's been a big journey. Lots more people in the US than down under. And I have to say, per capita, I think that Australia on the whole is probably a more ascended or enlightened country, but we're a very Mm. small population, like, I don't know, between 26 to 28 million people, which is nothing, right? 
But so there are a lot more people awake, but the level of consciousness is different to the states. I think that having podcast for years, that there's probably a higher level of consciousness in the states. Like, and I think that you're bringing you're bringing those people together in this conference, really, because I've been speaking to people for over 25 years, showcasing new old teachers, first in events and then online for about 13, 14 years, and the the level of consciousness, the level of teachers that you've got coming to this. Mm-hmm. ascension conference is exponential really right. really yeah. exponential i just from my but i don't know if the masses are you know at that level yet definitely maybe not the masses in australia for sure uh how are you finding getting people along to the conference is it is it booking out fast or what's going on all right well to get into the the logistics of how the event's doing honestly i wish we had more people showing up right now right yeah we mm-hmm. uh, it's doing well it's not um, going as fast as uh, I, I planned for it to be right this is our first time doing live event in in 2.5 years in two and a half years we were doing a good 10 to 12 live events and retreats and stuff before that you know before covid and now we're kind of resetting i have a lot of people have told me because Let's just get into the word ascension, for example. Some people have said, why don't you call it something else? You know, that something more descriptive, because as you just kind of pointed out, that the word ascension, a lot of people aren't really in alignment with even what that means, right? Right. They might be living a spiritual life. They might be doing breath work. They might be just feeling more connected during the day. But whether there is an end result to the work that they're doing, if there is a a place that we're moving towards, maybe Mm -hmm. isn't a part of that conversation. Portal to ascension is about um, not only the journey, because it's really about the moment and the journey, but it's about um, really embodying these traits and these qualities so that we can actually create a world for all of humanity to experience unity and oneness and joy and love, not just for the individual, right? So um, I've had recommendations. Well, you should change it to something that really speaks about, it's about galactic stuff and history. The reason why I say no to all that is because this is the signature event. Portal to Ascension is the name. That's what came to me in 2008. And even though I could shift it and maybe have more people understand what it is, I really feel that I want to have at least one out of the hundred events we have a year literally called our name Portal to Ascension so that we can really anchor in that energy. And I'm just putting in the energy for it to be really known and spread around the world. And then hopefully within the next few years, we can take this you know, conference and travel around the world doing Portal to Ascension Conference Australia, we have one in the UK this year as well. So we're doing two oh. portal session conferences. Yep, we're doing one oh. in Glastonbury. Oh. So so to answer your question more concisely about is it filling up? We got a good amount of people there, but we could still fit quite a lot more. So we'd love for everybody to come out because this is like, it's, it's beyond just a, an event with education. This is a remembrance, a celebration, a connection opportunity, a network opportunity. Um, this is where we get to share and come together in numbers in order to amplify the awareness that we're experiencing and really send it out into the cosmos. So the way we have this whole event structured isn't just like a standard conference. It's literally like a ceremony. The, it's a three-day ceremony in the in the guise of a conference. You know, even when you come into the door, we're going to have um, saging and kopal as you enter the conference room. And we're even going to start it out with an opening ceremony, you know. So it's like we're all coming there to have an initiation through the awareness that is shared for us to basically go out into the world after this and be the beacons of this information to the rest of the planet. Yeah. Wow. I really see that. I really see that it is a, 
a connecting event. I mean, mm -hmm. teachers with students and students with teachers and, and galactic family and soul family. I think that when you go to an event to gain information or perspective or, you know, wisdom, uh, it's more about that connection opportunity, especially when you're doing it, you know, a live event mm -hmm. rather than online events, that, that yeah. really finding people like finding your tribe. So what is the word that's interesting that you were talking about, the word ascension, because I was thinking, what will I ask Neil? And I, th I thought to myself, I'll ask him what he thinks ascension means. Like, yeah. what do you think ascension means to people in general? Well, first I'll start out with my history of my connection to the word ascension. So when I woke up in 2001 and I was, you know, getting into ancient scriptures and realizing that some of these ancient scriptures had a calendar, a dating, a galactic calendar, including the Maya civilization, ancient China, Chinese one, India, Kabbalistic system, and it was a 26,000 year cycle. So as I started learning about these ancient civilizations, I was realizing that these cultures were also talking about a rise and a fall of civilization. And this rise and fall not only was an advancement and sometimes an advancement with technology, but the ultimate advancement was the advancement in consciousness, that we have been at levels of, um, of um, supreme connection, divine remembrance, remembering our past lives, remembering our connection to ETs, remembering who we truly are, remembering our powers, and then we lost it many, many times. So as I was learning the ancient history component, I was realizing that this cycle is an ascension and a descension, that we've been going through this um, evolutionary process for who knows how long. We're, we're only talking currently about the last 26,000 years in which Atlantis existed 13,000 years ago, but how long has this been going on? So as I started realizing that um, we've been going through this descension ascension process, I looked at the calendars and saw that we're actually at the cusp of the bottom of one of those ages about to go through an ascending cycle, that we've spent 13,000 years of descension and we're about to go through an ascension. So when I first got into all this stuff, 2003, four, I was all about the world that we were going to create. And I was not about the moment. I was like working towards, this is where we're gonna be. This is what we can create. Everybody needs to know the truth. You know, I was um, violating people's privacy, if you will, and their own free will by interjecting my own beliefs into their system because they had to wake up, you know? And th this continued to happen until around 2008. Uh, 2008, I shifted to more of an understanding of the bigger picture and, and realizing how all these things are happening for a reason, that the darkness and the light are both um, equally beneficial to all of humanity. And instead of focusing on the, the light and where we're going to be, I also need to start encompassing and having gratitude for the darkness. So as that started happening, you know, fast forward to 2012, um, you know, a lot of people were waiting during 2012 for something massive to happen. Like I was even thinking that the way I was at that moment, you know, and I still feel that this is a holographic simulation, but I felt that it, it wouldn't be too far of a reach that of December 21st, 2012, we'd see a sign in the sky saying game over. And then the door would open like the Truman show. And we just walk into the next dimension. You know, I didn't, that was not, that was not a far off fetch belief for me. And even, or the UF ETs would just land. And all of a sudden to be like, you know, like, psych, got you or something. <laughs> and it'd be a whole new world. And then, so then that didn't happen, right? A lot of things did happen December 21st, 2012. It just wasn't like a complete overnight event shift. Um, and then what I noticed was with all the people I was working with that were also focusing on the future, you know, so many speakers on the circuit, so many well-known people, including myself, had no events planned after December 21st, 2012. I stopped planning everything until that day was over. 
because wow. I did not know what was going to happen. Uh-huh. And um, so when that occurred, I realized that there was a new theme on the planet, the sense of embodiment, a sense of um, nowness, if you can call it that, mm-hmm. that instead of waiting for a destination, we began focusing on the moment and realizing the beauty of this experience now. And there was a shift from, you know, people say the new age, always looking at the light, not focusing on the darkness. There was a shift of people starting embracing both sides of, of, of the conversation. Yeah. And as we were doing that, my, my um, understanding of ascension shifted as well. I started believing that ascension isn't a destination, right? That the only way that we can get to an ascended world is a paradox. The only way we can ever get to an ascended world is by finding the beauty in the moment. Yeah. So you cannot create something amazing in the future if all you do is focus on when that future will ever come. And that's what a lot of us were doing. So the universe, you know, the universe, as I like to say, is one big Xerox machine. All it does, it reflects back your most frequent thoughts, you know, whatever you put out there, you're going to get back. So if you're putting out there in the universe that I am not where I want to be, this is where I want to be, and you keep putting that out, that's all we're going to get back in our experience. So now, Portal to Ascension, since then, I've really shifted in order to incorporate tools and techniques for us to feel that sense of embodiment, to really embrace this now moment. And when we see the beauty of everything around us, that's when I feel we can eventually hit critical mass and we can actually inherit a world that is better for everyone. Oh, yes, Neil, I totally hear you. I totally hear you. Yeah. And so we were talking about just before I put the recording on, like what are people in the spiritual community, conscious community into? And I was telling Neil that I'm having a meeting tonight at my house because we're going to put on a big festival in a year's time. Mm -hmm. And the festivals that we do here are more about um, kirtan and dancing and music and being conscious in those ways, but they're really not having that galactic conversation. And if they are, the gatherings are about, you know, lights in the sky and look and proof and all that sort of thing. So it's it's kind of interesting. There's a split, whereas Portal to Ascension brings all this information together and what does yeah. it all mean and who we are as multidimensional beings. And I think this, I think this responsibility game is just it's just what needs to be spread on the planet because everybody, as you say, is in some future or another timeline. Like somebody said to me the other day, oh, just get me out of this timeline. I'm going to jump to another timeline where it's all beautiful. And right, they don't right. understand the the importance in the contrast, like the yeah. lessons in the contrast, like why we're here. Like we're here for this moment. We're here for all the crap that's going on in the world. We came exactly for that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Can. I've heard a lot of people say, like, I can't wait for this new world. I can't wait for this right. dimension. When uh-huh. will things shift? You know, and um so and you know, I have those moments where I want to escape as well, all the time, you know, <laughs> especially the first 10, 15 years even of my awakening process. Like I just was like, This sucks, you know, they've they <laughs> controlled it. And in the last three years, I'm not even gonna get into that conversation, what happened there, you know, and I was just like really wanted to escape and now I'm, I'm focusing on something else which is sitting with the discomfort of the feeling to want to escape right. and observing it and observing that feeling and being like it's okay to feel that way and then you don't have to like be like pouring out with gratitude for the darkness and what they've done but the realization is that in this world of amnesia where we don't remember our divinity where we don't remember our connection to source and even those that do still have imagine um, are using their imagination to do that there's not always that sense of knowing and we still fluctuate in and out of that knowing the best way to remember how it is to be connected and in the light 
is to experience the polar opposite. And the polar opposite is darkness on this planet. And the best way to experience the most transcended element of that, the most far in the light, I feel, is the complete polar opposite of that light, which is extreme darkness. And on this planet, as you know, and a lot of people watching, is that we've experienced some atrocities, right? And what we're able to do with that, with these atrocities we're experiencing, is we have the opportunity to do two things. We can either become a victim to the atrocities and get lost in it, or we can become the master of it, which is why so many people that, uh, you know, this is an example I often use, like if you uh, are an ex-drug um, uh, ex addict and you are going to therapy, are you going to do better with someone that just went to school to get a degree in uh, therapy or someone who was an ex-drug addict that's teaching you how to get out of it? You know, and that's kind of the human experience here. That's what duality has set us up for is to learn these experiences so that we can then be the galactic ambassadors to other planets in hundreds of years, thousands of years, and then teach them how we transcended the darkness. And I feel that's, you know, that's part of the, the whole aspect of this is a, a school, a school for us to learn the tools we need to teach the rest of the cosmos. Exactly. I, what you said that so beautifully. I, sitting, I want you to repeat it. Is this what you said? Sitting with the discomfort of the want or need to escape yeah. this world or, or discomfort, something like that. Do you yeah, remember yeah, exactly what you said? No, that was the first thing you said was it. Yeah, sitting with the discomfort for the need and want to escape and just being okay with the discomfort, not running away from it, right? And this, these are all tools that I've been learning the last few months doing some you know, deep personal work myself is, um, you know, I've, I've escaped from um, things like that a lot. You know, in my past relationship, I was running away and hiding away because I felt uncomfortable in certain situations. And I... And what that would do is it would perpetuate more of that discomfort exactly. to the point where you get lost, anxiety, depression kicks in, lack of communication and a breakdown of communication, right? Mm -hmm. And so really being okay with the discomfort was a huge step for me. And, you know, that's actually helped me transcend a lot of this darkness and accept my own inner darkness and not judge myself for it. And the more I do that, the more I'm able to experience joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Loving way. So I was going to ask you, you know, what are you, because you're one of the presenters, like what are you going to talk yeah. about um, at the conference? Okay. I'll get into that in a second, but I'd love to talk a little more on the word ascension, right? Because mm -hmm. there was, so we were speaking in the beginning about, you know, and you said a few times how in Australia, um, when it comes to the galactic understanding, the ascension, there's a lot of people doing spiritual events, Kirtan, that kind of thing there. And I also noticed that in England, you know, because I was born and raised in England, I moved when I was 12, but I was just there for a few months. And I was in Glastonbury, you know, Avalon. And I put a note out on my portal to ascension telegram saying, hey, any, any of the PTA family in Glastonbury, let me know, let's meet up. Somebody messaged me, we had, um, um, she made me lunch and we started talking and she said, hey, portal to ascension needs to come to Glastonbury. And I'm like, well, why? She goes, there is no ascension here. There is no conversation around ascension wow. that all the, the most of the people here, you know, and I'm not, and, and let me just do a disclaimer, of course, within, I don't know, every single practitioner in Glastonbury and so are there those that are focusing on that. But um, a lot of the individuals there, it, their job is reading, psychic readings, intuition stuff. That's their job. Just like if you went to a regular job and clocked in nine to five and they're not really focusing on what the result of all this work is going to be in our future, but this is what they're tapped into. And it's their exchange with the world is just doing these sessions for people. 
yeah. right? Yeah. So she said there is no um, actual funneling in to why we're doing this work going on there. And the ascension is that umbrella, right? Why are we doing these works? Why is there Sedona around? Why are there all these practitioners doing these things on the streets here? Why is it becoming more and more common, right? Not just because you're into this and that's what you're doing because you love doing your job and we're having, uh, I'm having fun doing this and this is how I'm gonna live for the rest of my life. That's definitely okay. But ultimately the reason why it's happening so often and there's so much going on is because we're moving into a planet where this is gonna be the norm, where the supernatural isn't the natural. The paranormal is the normal. Yeah. So when she made me realize that it was just an industry and a business for the most part where people, you know, are into this stuff, but they're not really like focusing on the evolution of consciousness, right? And she said, Portal Ascension needs to be here in Glastonbury. And that was the reason why I put the event on there. You know, I asked her to find a venue and we did it. It was I wanted to bring that element there. And because I'm so in this world of ascension, all these people, I don't even realize that people, some people into spirituality don't even know what the ascension is. Yeah. So how was that event? When did you put that on in, in the UK? Well, that's that's in August. That's coming up. Oh, it's coming up. And it's so funny because yeah. I've got had my daughter staying with me and she said, can I, can I have a friend come and stay who she met up at Fraser Island, which is an island off the Queensland coast. I don't know if you know the geography. Anyway. So no. she grew up in Glastonbury under the tour, right? She, and she grew oh, up. So she's like <laughs> 35 and her parents were like hippie parents into like, I I said, tell me about your father. I said, oh, God, I'd like to meet him. He sounds just like me. And and she's a marine biologist. And she mm-hmm. was talking about um, how people think about all the conscious people in, in Glastonbury and the um, I don't know. She grew up kind of skeptical about it all. Like she's not, she's sort of into it. She's into the principles. So she's into saving the planet and being there for the oceans. She's a marine biologist, but um, she still thinks it's kind of woo woo, even though her father yeah. is exactly like, it was such an interesting conversation with her mm-hmm. growing up in Glastonbury. Like she was just here like a few days ago. That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah so, it's yeah. very woo woo for people, which is why I love to bring in the science because this is right. all exactly there's so much validation at this point um i feel like anything that we've had on our platform which are thousands of topics if you give me enough time to sit with someone i could prove it through science and documents that this is real exactly. and, and just when it comes to the ufos and the et phenomena i mean there's just too many government disclosed documents that are just mind-blowing including a government document of a crashed uh, crashed ufo in upstate New York in the 50s that had hieroglyphs on it that every time the agent would actually touch the um, UFO, the hieroglyphs would change to different hieroglyphs. That's on the freaking CIA's website, right? And that's just the border, like that's not even fully how out of this world these kind of documents get. And then plus the understanding that we're all quantum beings. That's my favorite thing to come to people that are skeptical with is that we're vibratory beings, you and I, we're not physical matter. We're vibrate, vibrating frequencies. Subatomic particles vibrate constantly. Subatomic vi- particles don't just vibrate all the time. They're vibrating in and out of this reality. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What else does that? A hologram. It's a light fractal vibrating in and out of reality. Yeah. So yeah. we're, and you got to, I have to be careful sometimes when I say the word hologram and that we're holograms because some people feel that that means we're inorganic and we're just like a robot. But it's a very advanced program that we're within, an organic structure. So if that's the case, if what we're seeing right now, what we're perceiving is not what really exists, how could you doubt that there's anything else, that that there might be something else going on out there? 
Like yeah. who's behind the controls? Yeah. And is there a way for us to be so aware of who we are that we can start rewriting our own program? That's yeah. if if there was an end res, if there was like an underlying goal for Portal to Ascension, it's to make everybody realize they're all creators that we can rewrite our program. And part of that might even be flying in in space. You know, like Look, might even absolutely. be like this is levitation. What the- Exactly. This is what the Galactics have a, a full understanding of, exactly what you're talking about. But let me ask you, have you ever spoken to Deepak Chopra? Have you ever had a conversation with him, you two? No, not, not one-on-one, no. Oh, you should. Why I say that is because 30 years ago, I went to see him speak in, in Australia in the conference centre. He gets a big crowd and he started and he was talking about exactly what you were talking about, right, 30 years ago. But he mm-hmm. stopped talking about it. You know what? Because people were walking out in droves. It was just totally over the head of people that were there. And I remember I took a girlfriend um, to, to see him because I'd read his spiritual laws and all that sort of defect stuff. And she just looked at me with, he's like, what the hell have you brought me to? But he was talking about the reality of being me up Scotty and that we're all holograms. And he was going for it. I've never seen him talk like that since. Not that I've seen every talk he's done, but be an interesting conversation between you two. To talk 30 about years that. ago, huh? 30 years ago yeah people weren't ready to know i mean like five six years ago when i was saying we're holograms um in conversations at dinner and with other conscious people that i'm in uh, hanging out with people in this world i would have some kickback too and it's because people don't want to be considered ai they don't want to be considered robots Mm -hmm. they don't like the whole terminology that we are a computer program right right or we are a virtual reality game yeah and it is we are that but we're infused with soul at the same time it's like a we're thinking that who we are is this flesh, this suit, like this is me, right. right? Instead of actually I'm the consciousness driving the flesh suit. I mean, that's exactly we have to put our, the reality is on the consciousness and not on the matrix, <laughs> you know, the yeah. matrix. But we see the matrix as real because that's the way we're set up. But, you know, what you're saying about putting the science behind it, that's what I loved about everyone that I spoke to that um, who did I have? One, two, three, four, five people in the last few weeks that are going to be speakers at the conference is that they are all at that level, like mm-hmm. Geraldine, amazing, Geraldine yeah, Orozco, no, no. incredible. And I loved my conversation with Laurie, Laurie-Ann Spanger, because I'd never met her before and yeah. she is just off the charts. And then she Eric is. Rankin, so yeah, talking yeah, about. It's right there for sure. He was amazing. Ra mm. of Earth. I'd found Ra on Instagram and I had reached out to him. I said, maybe I'd like to have you on the show. I wasn't too sure about him because his Instagram is sort of, I don't know, his Instagram is maybe just a, to attract attention and he's got a lot of followers. But I'm thinking, hmm. But having spoken to him, I just totally fell in love with Ra. He's so down to earth, really. <laughs> and then my favorite was Adam, <clears throat> Adam Apollo, who's the man, right? He All is right. the man. He's the one that's going to change it. He's the guy with the science and the technology that explains all this so-called woo-woo stuff and space yes. travel and portals and, oh, my God, yeah, Adam yeah. Apollo. Amazing. You know, when I, and I was with Adam here in Sedona. He was, we are at a retreat together last few days. Just oh. got to hang out with him a bit. So when I first started Portal Dissension, you know, 2008 and then 2009, 2010, I was traveling up and down the coast from San Diego to Vancouver and Victoria Island and down, like just nonstop for like two to three years. And at the events, my part of my spiel was in the beginning was that I'm not here to preach to the choir, even though the choir is welcome to join. I, I am here to teach the linear minded people through their linearity, how it's all interconnected. Yeah. Right. 
because there's there's two sides. There's the linear aspect and there's the creative circular aspect. The linear aspect is the masculine energy. The creative, the um, circle energy is the feminine energy, right? And not one's better than the other. There's two form, different languages to yeah. communicate with. So the part of the understanding that we speak about in this world when we don't incorporate science, we're going into that feminine energy of creativity and metaphors and explaining things to poetry, you know? And then you get people like Adam Apollo and all these other individuals that have bridged both worlds and are able to explain how this is all interconnected to someone that needs logic in order to realize that. So a huge part of portal to ascension is is logic based, but not all of it. You know, it's a lot of we do a lot of energy work and things where we just like go for it. But I would say 60% of our content really like has evidence backing everything, including the fact that we have 45% of our 10,000 hours are all ancient history information yeah. to show the antiquity of humanity and then show, wait a second, how did they build this structure? Well, through linear logical science, we can prove that we have no way of actually replicating what they created back then. And the only way this could be done is through some laser with a diamond on it, you know, something like that. So all of this information has to make people wonder and start thinking, how did the ancients, were they able to create these structures, these very advancements and know all this advancements in science when we haven't even figured those things out yet. And mm -hmm. so that's a huge component of everything we do and what we're going to be bringing to this conference. Woohoo! <laughs> it sounds amazing. So what are you going to talk about at the conference, Neil? Okay. You know, what usually happens at these conferences is that so many people want to join that I end up taking off my own presentation. <laughs> yeah, I know. I do that. So too. that's what I did this time again. Did you I take yourself? Oh, I know. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to open it up with some spoken word. Okay, cool. You know? So okay. I've been doing this whole um, new thing now with my spoken word where I do a little freestyle poetry with my written stuff, with music in the background. And so, you know, spoiler alert, okay, this is how we're going to start out. This is what I envision. We'll have like a copal ceremony for people walking in, right? And we'll be smudging them out. We'll have some beautiful ambient, like kirtan type music going on and then i'm going to come in my full priest outfit on stage and then we're going to just like as soon as it starts we're just going to start with like a 15 minute spoken word set and with different types of music musicians on stage uh, vox angelus who does the sound of the angels she'll be there as well so we'll start it out kind of like that that'll be my contribution to the event because you're such a great speaker yeah i know i know I know how you feel. In fact, I don't know yeah. how you can actually turn up to speak when you're running an event. It's there's a lot. No, of I love it though. So I did make a commitment to myself uh, a few weeks ago that I'm always going to make space for myself to speak because I've just realized I really have a lot of fun. That's actually my happy place. Yeah. Speaking, you know? I know. And again, a lot of um. Now I have a lot of support. You know, Joan of Angels, Alan Steinfeld I have a whole team now. So I don't have all the responsibilities on creating this event. Yeah. yeah. So which allows me to step more into the creative aspect of performing and presenting. Is, well, Alan's one of the speakers. Is Joan speaking as well? Yeah, she's yep, Joan's right. there too. She's wow. she's one of the openers. She'll be like second or third um, because she does great wing fluffing, you know? <laughs> she like helps people really. She's really great for the start of events because she really puts people in the vibration of what we're going to experience. Yeah, yeah. And what's Alan going to talk about? Where is he? Alan, Alan is a mystery, you know? You never know <laughs> what he's going to say. <laughs> All I know is I just gave him some time. It's probably going to be like 50% comedy, you know, because um, yeah, he get, get him in and, and Phil on, on stage. That's oh, my God. Yeah. Oh my well, God. It's, it's going to be like 
50% spiritual memes. That's what he likes to do. He like really funny memes, but then he breaks it down spiritually of what it means. Like they're really freaking awesome. So probably something around that. And you know, his book making contact. So he always likes to nowadays incorporate making like what it means to make contact, the different forms of modalities to make contact. And the fact that it's all a consciousness game, contact and communication with these beings are through our consciousness. So I'm sure he's going to be incorporating that, but he's also the main MC for the whole event. So he'll be in and out the whole time. Um, the other MC is Michelle Anderson. Have you ever mm -hmm. connected with Michelle? Yeah, I have. I've uh, connected with her, I think, in, in one of Sheila's events because Sheila had her as yeah. a co-host co in Cosmic yeah, Conversation. Yeah, yeah. And Sheila's presenting too. Is Sheila on there? Sheila's presenting, yeah. So uh, a little shout out to the sponsors. Sheila Seppi, Galactic Alliance is a sponsor. Jenna Layden, Star Family Wisdom is a sponsor. And Tangila from Soul Search also sponsors. So we got the three sponsors there. So they'll be speaking as well. and They'll have their booth in the main room. Cool. What would you talk about if you were going to talk? What was your speech going Good to be one. about? You know, my favorite topic actually nowadays to speak about is Pythagoras. Because oh, yeah. I did a, a four-hour expose on his life, a, a year of research on his life. And because I did a lot of um, conference, I've been to a lot of events. I've seen thousands of presentations. I've hosted thousands of presentations. So the Pythagoras has been mentioned quite a lot by a lot of people. And I don't know if you've ever heard him being mentioned in any conferences or presentations. Not really. Uh, yeah. Well, there's a few reasons why he is. Well, the chakra system and the frequencies of the chakras are based on the Pythagorean scale. He came up with those frequencies. Uh -huh. The tuning forks that we use in sound healing baths are based on the Pythagorean scale. He came up with those tones, right? Um, the chakra bowls are also based on his scale and frequency, the hertz of it, right? So it, the understanding is that Pythagoras was not actually looking to discover geometry, right? Because that's what we know him as, the discoverer of geometry. He was actually looking for, and this is like a, a, a somewhat of a quote of him because there are no exact quotes taken from him. Only his students basically spoke about him, was that he was looking for the frequency of God. That's why he started doing the work. Wow. He realized that all things are vibration and that through exploring frequency, that maybe we can find what hurts vibration is the vibration where you can communicate with the gods, right? He was the only vegan in Greece at the time. People didn't get him. He believed in reincarnation. No one else believed in reincarnation in Greece. He even went up to a, a guy that was beating his dog and pushed the guy on the ground and said, don't do that. That guy was my friend in my past life. Oh. <laughs> so like, that's just the beginning of it. So the presentation really goes deep into who he was. Even I have a whole 30 minutes on why he was vegetarian, you know, like, oh. and the esoteric wisdom within that 30 minutes is profound. And, you know, so um, that's my favorite presentation to do. So whenever I get an opportunity, like at Conscious Life Expo, I just did one on Pythagoras. And it was a pretty good turnout there. Um, that's something I love to really incorporate because it's just fun, you know. Um, but my other one, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Maybe you were Pythagoras. I never thought of that before. How long ago did he live? <laughs> You're going to give me a big head right now. What's that? <laughs> How long ago was Pythagoras on the planet? Uh, 300 BC. 300 BC, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's also a trip because actually Pythagoras' awareness is what the Knights Templar and the Masonic Order took in order to exert control of the world. So all the secret societies and all the information and how structures were created, even how bridges were created, and, you know, and the... The secrets of the secret societies was Pythagorean's awareness. Pythagoras was very anti-elitism. 
he he didn't like dictators he tried to bring them down but when he died those same dictators that he was trying to bring down took his information and hid it in vaults and basically used it for themselves and they became the ones that were able to build infrastructure in the world because they'll be able to build infrastructure with the money that they had they exerted control over everybody and started enslaving the population so pythagoras actually moved from greece to italy and then he died and what happened 100 years after he died the roman empire began right wow. his information was taken by the roman empire taken to the vatican and they used his awareness to basically exert control over the entire world so there's a lot of like um, profound pieces of information in regards to his life well it would explain your passion because you think about it yeah. in each life even though there's like a thread of what we're doing because like the guides have said to me and um and other teachers have said this too that when we insert ourselves into the earth experience we don't do it in a linear fashion like i i live a life i die i regroup i come back we do it all at once so we come in with an in intention and then we live out this intention in many different guises throughout all time and space so mm. it, it um makes sense that your passion like you're in so your intention is to raise consciousness as it was, you know, in other lifetimes. And, you know, when I look at myself, I've been a man more than a woman and uh, mm -hmm. I've been a heretic of the church. And I've also been in, you know, a monk inside the church and, you know, burnt as a witch and all these sort of things. But the whole time there was an intention to raise consciousness, but just playing out in different wow. scenarios. Yes. Yes. And, and if you look at the passion behind what you're doing with portal to ascension, yeah. Um, it makes sense that Pythagoras was definitely one of your past lives. Well, connected. Never to even that. thought of that before. Yeah, I've done past life regressions, but I've only seen myself on ET lives. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, Pythagoras I, sounds like he was a total ET here on Earth, especially right? if you're in, you know, that movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, and she marries yeah. a vegetarian, and she says to the auntie who's Greek, "He's vegetarian," and she goes, "What do you mean he's vegetarian? No." Me? <laughs> No meat, don't worry. I serve you lamb, as if lamb was, yeah, yeah, I that. you know, like to the Greek, sort of like meat is a staple to all of it. Right. And to be yeah. a back then, not eating meat, I mean, it's just wild. The fact, yeah, that he, yeah, exactly. That he, you know, and just one more thing about him. So, in the end of that presentation, I have a few slides that show how it says, "Was Pythagoras Jesus?" Wow. Because his life and all the things that we said about Jesus's life were actually mm -hmm. said about Pythagoras 300 years before. Wow. He was known to, they they believed he was born um, with a virgin birth. Mm -hmm. He His father was Apollo, right? The sun god. Mm -hmm. And um, he was known to bilocate. He was known to walk on water. You know, like the list of all Jesus' qualities were Pythagoras's, but Pythagoras, we have documented um, evidence that he existed. So not to say that Jesus didn't exist, but my my now evolved theory on Jesus is that a lot of the stories of his life were adopted from other people. And many of those stories about him weren't actually about him. Now, a good example is that there was a, a Pope in the 1400s that was a brutal, incestuous, barbaric pope, pope that basically left the church to do brutal things. He was the one that actually changed the look of Jesus and started incorporating his life story into Jesus' story. So before the 1400s, Jesus' story was completely different. This is documented, like wow. you could do a little research. Even the image of him, his face, all the stuff, his beard was actually uh, a mimic of this individual from the 1400s. So from my wow. exploration of Pythagoras and other elements, I'm realizing that there probably was a Jesus, uh, an enlightened being, but a lot of other stories over time 
you know, were, were put onto him. Well, it's interesting that you say that because years ago when I was in my 20s, I read the Seth books. And Seth said that the story of Jesus was a combination of three different prophets. Um, oh, th- that was, yeah. And um, then I had uh, uh, Samuel Chong on the show, Samuel Shen Chong, who is um, promoting the book, The Taiuba Prophecy, which was written by a French Australian guy. Um, he was abducted by these nine foot tall hermaphroditic ETs to a planet called Taiuba. And they. Wow. They gave him the whole history of planet Earth. You have to read this book. It's unbelievable. And they said that they created the body that was known, that was the Jesus that was crucified. There were two Jesuses. One was born of the virgin birth saying that it was he was E.T., um, the DNA was manipulated by E.T.s and that she was mm. impregnated by E.T.s, so therefore it was a, a virgin birth. But um, that Jesus was the one that traveled the world. And, you know, we hear of Jesus in India and Jesus in Nepal mm-hmm. and he hung out with the Buddhists and he ended up dying in Japan at the in his 90s. And there is a burial site for Jesus in Japan that is documented and wow. they do rituals every year celebrating his life. And then there was another body that was an ET from Thayuba that had a completely different DNA structure so that he could perform the miracles he could do because the one, even though his DNA was sort of manipulated, couldn't yeah. do the whole walking on water, levitating everything. But so the Thiubans, who are a ninth category planet and we're a one palette category planet, they have all this. Um, oh, it's a fascinating book, Neil. You've got to read it. It's just fascinating. Wow. But, but hey, yeah. That would explain by location, seeing him. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And they yes. and, and so so the French guy who died in 2018, who was taken to the planet, they took him and they have this technology, like they can all levitate and fly around, like walk on water. But they had this little handheld device, energy device, where they would sort of fly around. Like that's that's their vehicle of mode of transportation. They took him to what they called the dokus, the dokus, which is this structure that looks like an egg. And from the outside, it looks solid, but it's a force field. And when you go in, it's completely see-through. So you see everything, but it's solid from the outside. And all these bodies were levitating in this special doku that was on this island on their planet. And the body of Jesus that they created, the one that was crucified on the cross, was hanging out there in this levitation. And then all these other ET bodies from around the cosmos that they had created to be avatars on different planets to bring a message to you know the the population yeah it's fascinating book wow Mm. yeah you know in in the gnostic text uh well pre-council of nicaea there were all these gospels there was hundreds of gospels right obviously there's not that many gospels in the bible and some of the versions of jesus's life was that he never even got crucified there was versions where he did die and versions where he didn't die so and both are true And both are true, right? All these different versions. But funnily enough, years ago when uh, uh, Phil was out in Australia, because you said, do I know Phil? And I said, yeah, I met him in Australia years ago. He used to do quite a few talks. And I remember I was with one talk and they're all arguing about, was Jesus married, not married? (laughs) You know, the Virgin Mary, was she a virgin, blah, blah, blah. And I remember thinking 2,000-year-old gossip (laughs) and I left the talk. But, you know, everyone was debating, like, what was right and what was wrong. And for me back then, like it's about 20 years ago, I was thinking there are other things to talk about was whether, you know, she was a Virgin Mary or not a Virgin Mary or whether he was married or had children or, but it is a conversation that people do love to talk about. And it's really interesting because there's so many versions and all of it can be true, right? All of it can be true. Right. We're still trying to figure it out. 
And we're at a place now where people are having critical thinking like they haven't had for a long time. And that critical thinking is making them doubt the conventional story, right? Mm -hmm. And logic kicks in. How can somebody have a virgin birth, mm -hmm. right? Is it even possible? Uh, have you heard of Margaret Rigoglioso? No. Oh my God, you love her. She is the foremost researcher on virgin births, right? Oh. She's done a whole freaking thesis on it. And um, so we've had her on a few times and it seems that there was an ancient mystery school for thousands of years, that a priestess school, where they would get together and do certain rituals to create virgin births. And every single one of those um, ancient texts specifically talk about the Pleiades. So they were doing some sort of ritual in order to create, because the what is the womb? The womb is like a wormhole from another dimension. Like the soul comes in through the womb. It's a, it's a portal. Mm -hmm. And not even figuratively, it's literally a portal, mm -hmm. right? Unless this, if unless you believe the soul is already in the woman's body, right? The soul coming into that body. So what they would do is they would do these rituals in order to make sure that the that the wormhole, the etheric wormhole that the soul was coming through, was coming from a certain place in the Pleiades, and they were pulling the souls. So um, Jesus, his mother, was a part of this priestess school. Mm -hmm. So now that gets into the whole connection of Jesus being a soul brought in from the Pleiades. And also the fact that only 100 to 200 years ago, Greek, the Greek civilizations were in the heyday. And in Greek culture, it was common awareness that gods could have um, babies with women on earth. It was a, good, a common thing. People mm -hmm. didn't doubt it, you know? Yeah. So it was just a continuation of that not too long after. What they call gods, we, we are calling ETs, right? Like ETs, what, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it's the whole hybrid program, which obviously Geraldine talks a lot about because she's a party yeah. to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm a hybrid because when you look at my mother's family, she came English, they're yeah. the funkiest looking people. And there's a photograph, I don't know where it is, I've lost it, but there was a photograph of her on her 21st birthday and she doesn't look like she belonged to the family. Like she looked completely different. Her mm -hmm. physical structure was completely different to the rest of the family. And it's like, how did that happen? <laughs> like, duh. But yeah. she she wasn't awake. Uh, she did some amazing things in her life, like unconsciously and died at 50 of cancer. But she passed on that DNA to the three of us. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So there's been tweaking of DNA going on for ages. Right. You know, and even when you talk about the, if you look into the wars that happened, the Orion Wars, were actually the DNA wars. DNA is the number one commodity in, really? in, in, the, in the galaxy and probably the universe. And that's why Earth is so special to so many beings with all types of agendas. Because we are a, a soup, like, a, I don't even, a smorgasbord, is that the word? <laughs> of DNA, right? Look at how many species are on the planet. Plus, because of the way the planet is set up and how evolution works, DNA is constantly morphing. So there's always new subjects and new things to experiment with on Earth. So I personally feel from, you know, not only my own intuition, but speaking to many presenters, is that Earth is basically a galactic library of DNA. Yeah. That many um, galactic civilizations, if not every single one of them within our galaxy, has donated DNA to the earthly experience. Yeah. And it's almost like a test of speciesism. How can we all, like racism slash speciesism, it's a... A place where all these beings, all these different types of animals, insects, fish, have all come into this planet. And I feel our eventual goal is to see how we can all live in harmony with each other without trying to kill each other and be at peace, right? Yeah. And, 
And that has to do with maybe the great experiment, the great experiment of let's donate DNA to this earthly experience. Let's see these beings flourish that are connected to us through ancestry and to see if they can end up figuring out how to live together in peace. A great experiment. You know, in the mm -hmm. book, The Conversation with God, God through Neil is talking about America like that. America was the great experiment to bring it people was, yeah, from all that. over the, the planet from all different, you know, cultural backgrounds and to bring them together in this melting pot and see if they can live in peace together. Australia is the same deal, you know, unfortunately. Well, when I say unfortunately, but God wasn't talking about Australia through Neil then, I guess, because Neil was an American, but it's the same deal. Um, you know, we've got these cultures from all over the place that come together on this new land and can we live together? So mm. it talks in the Thai of a prophecy where we came from, the different planets. And um, it says that the yellow people, he calls them the yellow people and the brown people. Were the in which book? In the Taiba Prophecy, that book I was telling you about mm -hmm. by the French-Australian guy, Michel de Marquet was his name. Like he didn't channel it. He went there and experienced it and was shown this stuff from these ETs and then he wrote it all down as a book. And he did that in the 80s, the late 80s, and he was trying to promote it in the 90s and he just got so exhausted from being called crazy woo woo you know and that he retired to vietnam and became reclusive mm. and said i don't want anyone contacting me like I. he just got so much pushback on that he was crazy and it wasn't wow. real and then that's when samuel found him as a young man he went there he read the book and he found him because he didn't know how to find him he just knew what island he lived on mm. and then they created this relationship and then eventually uh, michelle died and and now samuel is promoting the book and, and the messages you should have him on yeah. portal to ascension i'll introduce right him. right yes you should yeah i mean that's the time for it it's, just, it's like he was ahead of his time right oh absolutely. Okay, divine timing, but yeah, yeah i feel the world now is more ready for this there's so many different stories out and self-publishing and you know it's more accepted than it ever has been before yeah yeah exactly mm -hmm. now is the time portal to ascension well i hope people will get along to uh, the, I would love to be there. But as I said to pretty much every person that I had on the show uh, that is one of the speakers, I'm not yet allowed into your country. <laughs> I think that'll change, but I'm still not allowed into your country. Right. Uh, but I, I just think that what you've gathered, the people that you've gathered are the most incredible bunch of people, really. It's just yeah. amazing. It will be an exponentially high consciousness event, really. Just amazing. Oh, yeah. The amount of information, education, remembrance, spiritual awareness tools that are we going to share uh, in in a palatable way where we're having fun at the same time is yeah. just unprecedented, right? And it really is like I put on that trailer the most epic event we've ever created, you know, out of so. thousands of year, year, thousands yeah. of events, and it's because the amount of energy, love, intention, and individuals that are involved in this event, mm -hmm. you know, is beyond most of our other events, especially our online ones. You know, it takes a couple of us to produce it. There's so much intention going into this from uh, even meetings beforehand. We've met up. We've even had meetings with the vendors where we meditated together. Mm -hmm. We've even we've had volunteer and staff meetings where we got to know each other. We had speaker meeting where we did a ceremony together with all the presenters that could make it beforehand in order to set our collective intention for what we're creating. Mm -hmm. Right. These are things that normally you don't see at conferences. So we're all really synergizing our energy. We're not coming there as individuals to present. We're coming there as uh, as individuals to create a collective awareness. We're this bringing is the both. difference. 
Right. Exactly. This is the difference because I've been involved in many conferences and put on conferences. And um, yeah, most people, even when they're spiritually unconscious, they come, they do their work. It's like, I'm here. It's about me. It's about some of my books and some of my courses. And they don't sort of connect with the rest of the people like, yeah, nice to meet you, nice to meet you. And off they go. Whereas I see that the people, the consciousness of the people here is that complete collective consciousness. Like we are in, it's not about me and how good I am and what an amazing speaker I am. It's we're in this together. I'm a, I'm a part of the team that are, it's, yeah, bringing this ascension into fruition. Yeah. And yeah, that's exactly. the difference. That's the difference that I see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And, like, and with that intention, I've never been disintentional with any event I've ever created. Right. I've just I've realized I've just taken on a lot of I've seen the way things have been done with a lot of events and I've t taken what I think works and I've really put it on this event. So it's yet to be seen what's going to be created from this. But whatever it's going to be, I'm, I know it's going to be profound and very impactful. And if anything, there's going to be a lot of love there. And we're just going to have a great time together as we learn, you know, as we learn and as we remember. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Oh, darling one. Well, as I say, I wish I could be there, but I look forward to Portal to Ascension Down Under one day. One day. That's one the perfect day. name for it. <laughs> Portal to Ascension Down Under. Oh my God. You just created the name. <laughs> <laughs> well, Down Under also incorporates New Zealand too, but New Zealand's an even smaller population. But, uh, you know, if it's a really amazing event, people do fly across from New Zealand. To yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll invite the new zealanders <laughs> we'll invite the new zealanders <laughs> and of course we're close to asia that's why we have so much kirtan and uh sort of indian philosophy uh, like yoga like the whole indian thing explodes down under because we're so close to india and asia and yeah it's, it's i can't really... wait to explore that area yeah so yeah. you know our our sedona type area is um classically the byron the byron area like the, the okay. byron bay itself the little town is a tourist town has lots yeah. of vegan restaurants and you know crystal shops and stuff like that but it's that right. whole area you know i don't know 50 kilometers surrounding it the, the, the tracks the light workers and the galactic people like 20 years ago mm -hmm. we were putting on higher self balls and dressing up as our galactic selves and oh wow uh, yeah it was really cool it was really fun and, but what's happening now is there are little communities, like a friend of mine was living in a little country town down in Victoria that, again, yeah. was attracting all the light workers into one area. So there are these little communities popping up all over Australia now right, where right. Um, sort of conscious tribe are kind of living together. And, yeah. It's oh, really? Mm. So it's, it's probably the perfect time to really go down there and be a part of it. Now, the yeah, thing I is guess so. I haven't so put on, problem. as I said, it's been 10 years since I put on an event and um, – but I do know people, friends of mine moved out of Sydney during COVID and moved to Lord Howe Island, and they've got an mm -hmm. event called Cosmic Consciousness that they're putting on. Oh. Uh, and then there's another guy up in Queensland that puts on the Paradigm Shift Conference. Um, okay. Um, and as I say, there's the, the UFO conference. I can't remember what it's called now, which is in Sydney uh, that does talks. They don't do festivals. They just do talks. Uh -huh. Okay, um, okay. But, yeah, obviously, with the hot last few years, yeah, a lot of people didn't put on any events because they couldn't. It's happening, though. Yeah. You know, but... my, my dream is to come to any country I want to do an event at, do the event, and then have it there every single year. Yeah. Because... And, and then have a team so I don't have to be there every year. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, I'm going to do UK again next year, and then I'm not going to be there the next year. I'm setting them all up, and then I'm getting a local team to run them. Because my goal is to have as many as I can have. Yeah, exactly. You know? 
Yeah. And until I tap into my Jesus qualities, I can't buy locate. So. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can. You know, I, I used to be a part of a group called the Academy of Light, and we put on events every every Monday night. Yeah. And um, it started expanding, and we had this roundtable conference, and I saw this network of light centers all across the world. You know, when you have, um, actually, the Core Nexus has it. You know, like on on Adam's. Nexus website he has that picture of like light sort of connecting cities mm-hmm. all over the world like when you mm-hmm. look at an airplane they do that sort of thing an airplane route right. and I saw that light centers connected all this was how many years ago this is 20 years ago light centers connected all over the world where speakers a bit like a musician could come like to do a speaking circuit and they could connect to these light centers all over the world and do a speaking circuit across the world yes mm-hmm. Yeah, so I see that yeah. is happening. Yeah. You know, this is the this is not just a fad. This <laughs> is the new world. Mm-hmm. This is what it's going to be like, and the systems institutions are all coming online right now. Well, they have to. I mean, and it's not being taught in our education system. So mm-hmm. it's up to us to create the the education really with conferences and talks and yeah. and online events. I mean, you know, podcasting is is the way people are getting their that ascension. Like I get emails every day saying, you know, I've been watching you because I've been doing this so long. I've been watching you for 10 years and you've really changed wow. my life. Like by watching different podcasts and hearing different stories and that's the way where the education's happening instead of through right. our normal, you know, educational systems like universities and schools. So, mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. 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 Well, honey, it's been great to connect with you and uh, good luck with it and can't wait for Paul to Ascension Down Under. Thank you. I appreciate you, Karen. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Always a pleasure to chat with Neil. Such a fascinating man. I think he might be connected to Pythagoras. Was it Pythagoras that he was talking about? You know, in some, you know, soul family. Uh, yeah. All right. Okay. Just having a chat to the, to the mob. They're saying, yes, that's true. He is connected to Pythagoras. When he was talking about it, it just all made complete sense to me why he's so driven in this lifetime to do what he does. And sometimes that drive can be a bit, um, when someone's really driven to do something, they're sort of like drive to do something regardless of all other things. But, um, you know, when you have a real drive to make something happen in a lifetime, there's a reason. And it's not just because of what's happened to you in this lifetime. It's, you know, because of what's happened to you in many lifetimes. So, uh, yeah, interesting, fascinating. Well, it will be a great conference. Look at all these talking heads. I think he said he was going to introduce me to John. I was going to have a chat with John maybe next week um, because somebody else um, rescheduled or cancelled next week. But amazing. I met Phil Gruber years ago in Sydney, Australia. And I tell you, he's another one that's really interesting. Robert Edward Grant, he's really interesting. And Barbara, unfortunately, Barbara's not doing too well at the moment. So I think she's not going to be a part of the conference. She was supposed to turn up for a show. And she had some health issues that she's dealing with at the moment. Um, So let's all send Barbara lots of love and prayers. Yeah, beautiful Barbara Lamb. Yeah. All right, Uh, I'm going to go. I'm not going to say too much more. It was just such a joy to speak with Neil. As I said to Neil, I've got things to do because I've got a big meeting happening here tonight. Who's coming up in the Inner Sanctum? Francis Key is coming up in the Inner Sanctum next month in april and i'm on this weekend if you want to meet me and join the inner sanctum this weekend just go to the my website karenswain.com slash inner sanctum and 
there's a sign up form there and I'll send you out an email with the link uh, to join us on Zoom. I don't always do them live. Well, I rarely do them live and it's just me. It's just us on Zoom sharing and talking and I don't even record most of them just so people can share freely, talk about what you're going through and not worry about being on camera, worry about being recorded or whatever. It's just a nice uh, support group and where we share stories and talk about all this stuff. So I hope to see you this weekend and um, remember to check out the book Awakened by Death if you haven't already. Love you big time. Bye for now.